Welcome to the Bill Kelly Podcast. I'm Bill Kelly. Well, we hosted a very electric Mayor's Town Hall with Hamilton Mayor Fred Eisenberger to answer your questions about the city of Hamilton. Also, according to MPP Donna Skelly, the Sewergate scandal is a catalyst for a provincial review of municipal wastewater rules. Too little, too late? Well, we'll talk about that. The Bill Kelly Podcast starts now. Today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. It's the Mayor's Town Hall. Hamilton Mayor Fred Eisenberger is with us here in studio for the entire hour uh, to talk about a couple of very important items and whatever you've got on your mind. Uh, We will open the lines up in just a couple of minutes. First of all, Mr. Mayor, thank you for coming in. Welcome back to the show. Uh, good morning, Bill. Thanks. Always good to be here. Uh, breaking news, as we just told you moments ago, apparently the fine, or the uh, transportation minister is going to be in town. Uh, Caroline Mulroney will be here to, uh, what we are told, make an announcement about LRT. And I guess uh, the big story here is not that she's coming. You just found out about this a couple of minutes ago. Uh, I did. I was not aware of uh, a press conference uh, having been scheduled, so I'm uh, I'm shocked and dismayed at this point. But uh, I don't know what they're uh, going to come out with and. Uh, I can tell you that uh, a couple of months ago, I met with the uh, the minister, and they expressed some concerns about uh, some estimates that they had done. And uh, my answer to them has been, uh, you're, we're in the middle of an RFP process, uh, so uh, let's get to the end of that, and we'll all know what the numbers are. But uh, so I'm right now, I'm uh, I'm I'm just shocked, I'm stunned. I I, I just can't believe that. Uh, first of all, they're they're holding a press conference without uh, letting us know about it, and secondly, in, in, in your, I have no, no idea. In your city, <laughs> well, clearly in my city. Now we are told. Uh, my buddy Randy Rath over at CHCH, who uh, pretty much lives at Queens Park, he's the eyes and ears for for an awful lot of us out over there. Yep. Uh, he says that uh, that this is going to announce that the the estimates that uh, the wind government gave are they say billions and billions of dollars off. Uh, which does not sound like this is going to be a good news announcement. It doesn't sound that way, but I don't know how that's possible, to be honest with you. If we look at all the projects that have happened uh, in recent times, uh, you know, Waterloo, uh, Mississauga just recently, uh, you know, at one point, I think $6 billion. They they actually covered an overage there of, uh, from 1.3 to 1.6. Uh, I, 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 I have no idea how they've come up with these numbers. And uh, we've been asking for clarity on uh, whatever numbers they put on the table for, for months now. Uh, we've been asking to speak to who 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 it might have been that uh, that put these estimates together, and we've been saying let's get, get to the end of the RFP process. That's where we're going. We're all going to know, you know, what the numbers are once the bidders are out. But you know, this this actually completely messes up the RFP process. I can I can only imagine that uh, they're going to put their pens down. We're never going to we're never going to know what the actual numbers are going to be. And, uh, and, you know, the, uh, understandable that the numbers would have escalated, but not, not to the degree that they're, they're claiming. And they're, they're, I think they're actually building in the full life, life cycle costs of the project over the next 30 years, which has never been part of the original estimates. But if you haven't even done your RFP process and nobody's actually crunched the numbers, what do they know that you don't know? Well, I, I have no idea. I don't know how they come up with this stuff. I, you know, I, I don't know who they've got uh, working with them to uh, to make estimates. Uh, clearly, uh, you do an RFP process to actually come to the conclusion of what the numbers are. You have competitive bids that actually tell you, here's what we're prepared to do for what amount of money. Uh, in the absence of that, uh, you're you're just guessing. And uh, you know the original estimates were not were seven eight hundred million dollars. If we remember going back to the uh, to the original project, uh, f- and that was from uh, Queen uh, McMaster to Eastgate. Uh, it that got upgraded to a billion dollars, and with an escalator built into it. So the problem, the number for for Hamilton is probably in the one point two billion dollars in terms of capital costs. And then you uh, you do add on life cycle costs and uh, estimates of uh, you know operating expenses, and then you also add on uh, the revenues that uh, that come with that uh, as well. So uh, I don't know. I don't know where they're getting these numbers from. I think they're uh, they're truncating a process that uh, needs to be fulfilled. But uh, it sounds like they're prepared to go there. Are you worried about the future of this project? Uh, obviously, I've always been worried about the future of this project. I think I've said all along that this is going to be a roller coaster. We've had. Uh, you know, some local uh, MPs not not exactly advocating on our behalf in terms of uh, the project itself, um, and uh, you know what? The, I'm 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 stunned by you know the premier having said uh, you know just shortly after the election that uh, the mayor won a mandate to uh, to run with LRT, and uh, you know the mayor wins the mandate, he gets the LRT, and uh, you know they've ne- not, not once have they led us to believe that they were on the verge of of canceling this project. We had uh, the previous minister of transport in. Who uh, indicated that uh, they were going to release the, uh, the, uh, the the acquisition of property that had been frozen for a while, and that uh, we were going to move on with the project? 
and now we have this. I, I, I'm, I'm really flabbergasted, certainly worried, and uh, you know what a, what a travesty it would be for the city of Hamilton for them to kill this very, very important uh, development project for our city that's been in the development stage for like 12 years. Um, and, and based on uh, you know estimates that uh, you know I think have have no, I think uh, sense of reality around them. So I don't. I I, I really I, I'm just stunned. I'm just stunned. This uh, smaller portion, but I think one of the things that look at, let's cut it to what this is. You're pissed off, absolutely, uh, uh, about what's going on here. But there is a protocol that's in place uh, that when there's a government announcement made in whatever city or town it is, invariably the mayor or, or the reeve or whatever it is of that community is invited to the announcement, and sometimes, sometimes even given a heads up about what it's about. You, well, you, you obviously were not extended those courtesies. I was not extending those courtesies. I was not aware that there was going to be a press conference today, and I, you know they're they're really kind of heading down a path that I think is very unfortunate. Uh, the kind of decision making we've seen from this government in the past, which is uh, shoot first and then think about the uh, the effects of it later. Uh, this is going to be, uh, you know, a not not at all well received, uh, you know, message in the city of Hamilton. You know, some people will be happy about this. I I understand that, but I think a good majority of our population will understand the value of this this important investment over time, the development opportunities that come with that, uh, everything that's good about this project is. Uh, is, has been on the table and has been discussed and disseminated and uh, uh, elections have been fought on for, for me, three elections on, on this very issue has always been part of this process. And, and been successful each and every time. And, and uh, you know, how, how they actually come around to, uh, you know, dropping a press conference in the city of Hamilton and not making us aware that they're actually doing that and, and letting us know what they're going to be announcing is, uh, is uh, you know, unwarranted and, I think, unparalleled. I, I can't think of a time when that's actually happened. Now, this is obviously before the announcement. It's going to be later on this afternoon at the Sheraton in downtown mm-hmm. Hamilton. By the way, CHML will be there. And uh, as soon as we get uh, confirmation as to what's going to be said, we'll certainly uh, pass that on to our listeners. Uh, but if it is, as has been reported, an announcement that this is billions and billions, and billions they use that phrase, mm-hmm. over the estimate that the previous government had given, uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and say they're not going to say, but don't worry, we're going to cover the cost. Uh, that, that, why would they bother to do that? So there's one of two things they're going to they're either going to cancel this project or they're going to say that Hamilton City Council is going to have to pony up a lot more money for this. And, and neither one of those are, well, they're, first of all, it's, it's bad news for you, uh, especially in light of the fact that just about everybody on the council who supported this has said, yeah, as long as we don't have to pay for it. So this puts this whole project in a different light. The whole predicate on this project right from the very beginning has been that uh, Hamilton has had a challenging time over the years in terms of the industrial down, down decline and the, uh, the, the, the attempts to try and bring uh, the city uh, into a different kind of investment mode. The promise of LRT has actually driven investment in the city of Hamilton already. Uh, for them to uh, come and say that uh, the city needs to pony up, on, you know, it's still a city that's uh, recovering from that uh, industrial decline that uh, happened so many over so many years. Our income levels haven't uh, haven't increased significantly. We've been trying to manage the tax load as a result of that to keep it at or below inflation for the, the better part of ten years. Uh, it was really de- destined to be an investment that the city of Hamilton taxpayers wouldn't be out of pocket on. That was the predicate that uh, that was uh, that was uh, part of the process in the first place. It was part of the level of support that uh, that it got, uh, you know, through successive elections. Uh, and I told the minister when I met with her, and I met with her once. I told him quite clearly that if if there's additional dollars that are going to be laid on the city of Hamilton, this project will not survive. Uh, you will you will cause this thing to uh, to not continue on, and uh, it would be a travesty for the city citizens of Hamilton, and uh, you know a, a a lack of foresight on the behalf of the province should they go there. Well, this is a, a tool that governments often use. They don't officially announce we're not going to do this anymore. What they do is they just cut the funding for it and just say, if you want to do it, you do it with your own dime. But if Hamilton, the city, given the, the, our, our certain situation with property taxes now, and I know the challenges that you're going to be facing in the 2020 budget, mm-hmm. if that's going to be the tenure of this announcement, uh, there is no way that Hamilton taxpayers can bear the burden of this project. No, and I wouldn't. I uh, wouldn't recommend that they do. Uh, you know, this is uh, this is something that uh, this the, the previous government decided was uh, something that Hamilton needed to get it up to a different level of investment and development. Uh, clearly, uh, this government uh, doesn't see it that way, and I think that's unfortunate. 
hopefully, they uh, they come up with something that isn't as draconian as this project is dead. But if the uh, if the answer is that the city of Hamilton needs to pony up more money, uh, this project is dead. And you're concerned and and worried that that's going to be the the, the the gist of the announcement today. I mean, if it was good news, Mr. Mayor, they'd have well, called you. Uh, they would have called me. And you know what? If uh, if they have any courage at all, they'll they'll be very clear about what they're going to do. Uh, so uh, up until now, I think there's been a lack of courage on their part. They're uh, they've kind of kind of done done this by stealth. Uh, I, I'm not about to kind of aid and abet them in terms of them uh, them killing this project. But at the same time, if they have any courage at all, they'll be very, very clear about what their plans are going forward. And uh, they shouldn't really couch this and lay this on the laps of the city of Hamilton. So if they're going to kill this project, then uh, then be clear about it and tell us exactly what you're going to do and why. Uh, but also understand that uh, they're doing it on a basis of uh, numbers that they have no idea at this point whether they're real or not. So the only way you do that is to get to the end of the, of the RFP process. And the RFP has been out for a year already and set to close sometime in March. Why wouldn't you wait until March to, uh, to, de- to make a determination as to what the real costs are going to be, what the, what the, the, the bidders out there say they will, they will do for what, what amount of money? Uh, in the absence of doing that, you're doing a disservice to this community and you're dis- doing a disservice to the consortiums out there that have put all this time and effort into this bid. Uh, you're doing a disservice to uh, future public transportation in this community. And you know what? You're, 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 you're making a very stupid mistake, quite frankly. There is one other option here. Uh, we've, we've given, I guess, two worst-case scenarios, that they kill this project outright or just say they're not going to fund it beyond the $1.2 billion or whatever. Mm-hmm. The other is uh, scaled-down version. And I know that's been on the table before. Instead of going to Eastgate, maybe it's the well, the traffic circle or someplace like that, the Queenston traffic circle. Uh, first of all, your thoughts if that's going to be the the alternative they present? Well, you know what? If if they're coming at this that uh, this project is now three billion dollars, uh, you know that cuts this project into a third, uh, and that would mean that they could run it to Sanford Avenue or something in that area, which makes absolutely no sense at all. So I I, I just don't see the rationale for that. But you know what? We'll see what they have to say. I'm uh, I'm uh, I, I'm I'm guessing and surmising as you are, but I'm uh, I'm definitely worried that uh, whatever they're going to come forward with is not going to be helpful to this project. If they do present that as an alternative, let's mm-hmm. go down that road for just a minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, my understanding from past, past discussions I've had with staff is that that knocks us back about three steps now. We've got to go back and reevaluate, et cetera. It's a, it's a different project. With, with that, and, and you have to go back out for an RFP because you're, you're really changing the whole pri- parameters around this project. So the, the RFP right now speaks from uh, from Master to uh, Queenston Road. That's what the consortiums are bidding on right now. If you change that uh, that location design, then uh, you're, you're going to have to go back out to another RFP. Uh, re- redefine what the project is all about, and then get the bidders to uh, to get uh, to get out there and get their pen- pencils on paper and and make those estimates again. So you're setting the project back uh, years, if if uh, if it can happen at all, and you're really limiting the, uh, the the benefits and the opportunity of the investment. I mean, it was really destined to help uh, drive investment uh, for. Uh, Affordable housing for housing, you know, from from Victoria Avenue all the way to uh, to Parkdale Avenue. That that's where the great benefit really resides. Uh, that's where we're uh, hoping to see uh, much more beneficial affordable housing projects and housing projects. Period. Much more density on existing infrastructure uh, to to truncate that uh, really minimizes those investments. Uh, and, and again, I know we're speculating, but you know, in the absence of information, which the province didn't see fit to, to pass on to you, mm-hmm. uh, we we have nothing but speculation at this stage. The other option, I guess, if we start to go down some of these th- through the list, uh, was something that was proposed, I believe, uh, by a couple of different people, including, I believe, uh, Donna Skelly. And I'll paraphrase this, Donna, if I've got this wrong. Is just give them the money. You get one point two billion or whatever it is for for transportation. Well, we would, you know, at the very least, uh, they should be uh, leaving the money that they've promised to the city, uh, you know, here in Hamilton. So, uh, you know, what if they do anything but... Uh, that is, uh, that would be, uh, you know, a double, a double travesty to the city of Hamilton. Bad enough that they may or may not, uh, that they may, they, they may kill this project or uh, truncate this project to the degree that it can't, can't survive anymore. But, uh, but taking the billion dollars away, uh, you know, would be, a, would be, a, you know, 
unbelievably uh, 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 disloyal and, and a betrayal for the city of Hamilton. So at the very least, uh, that that's certainly what uh, I would expect they would do. But again, I, I don't, I mean, I, I, I hate to speculate, but, uh, you know, I worry. And uh, I think it's uh, whatever whatever happens, it's not a good news story for the city of Hamilton. I don't know what your schedule's like for the rest of the day, Mr. Mayor, but I'm assuming you're going to be at the Sheraton at 2.30? Well, I uh, I imagine uh, it's unavoidable at this point. Uh, so, yeah, I guess so. And, uh, you know, I'm uh, I'm not going to be a happy camper when I get there. Uh, more to come on this story in uh, the minutes ahead and certainly in the hours ahead. And as we mentioned, CHML will be at the Sheraton, and so will the mayor, uh, to hear the Transportation Minister's announcement. You're listening to the Bill Kelly Show podcast on 900 CHML the mayor's town hall hamilton mayor fred eisenberger with us here in studio if you're just joining us i'm glad you're joining us but uh, breaking news uh transportation minister caroline mulrooney will be in town 2 30 this afternoon at the sheraton to make what we are told is a major announcement about lrt and the uh, this the, the speculation is is that the government uh, will announce that the cost of the hamilton lrt project is billions and billions that's the phrase we were told over budget and uh, we'll talk about the implications. Uh, well, we already have with the mayor, uh, Hamilton Fred, Mayor Fred Eisenberger. Uh, your office is attempting to reach out. You want to have some sort of a dialogue with the minister, I think, obviously, before she goes to the microphones today. Well, would l- very much like to, uh, you know, sit down. And my understanding is that we're organizing a uh, get-together beforehand. So uh, lo- we'll, uh, we'll work that out, and uh, I'll share my concerns with her directly. And I'm, sure, we'll, I'm, sure uh, it'll, I'm sure it will be cordial. Oh well, you know, I'm uh, I'm generally a cordial guy, but I'm uh, you know I'm 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 uh, you know at, at some point I'm speechless by, by by the you know what's happened here today. But I'm gonna I'm gonna find my voice and uh, I'll, I'll I'll certainly uh, share with them my direct thoughts. All right, let me do some phone calls here. A lot of folks on uh, hold here, waiting for your uh, opportunity to talk to Hamilton Mayor Fred Eisenberger, 905-645-3221 and star 9900. Uh, especially John. John, I want to applaud you for your patience. We got sidetracked here with breaking news, and uh, I know you wanted to talk about something else, so it's finally your turn. Go ahead. Well, both things anyways. But anyways, I hope the mayor's keeping his head above water with all that problems we're having here uh i'm uh, i'm fine john i worry about our city but uh personally i'm fine thank you anyways i'd like to talk about sewer gate hey eh? sure. now uh toronto just had a three billion dollar announcement on their wastewater mm-hmm. for the next 25 years right now in 2017 we made a 350 million dollar announcement right for our wastewater mm-hmm. and the federal put in a hundred provincial 100 right and we put the rest in yep and that project was supposed to be finished in 2022 now our population growth is going to be 750 800,000 people possibly is this yep. new treatment plan going to handle yes. our population growth yeah, I mean that's what it's uh, predicated on. So uh, you know we've been we've been actually. I mean I started the process of uh, having a separate sewer and water rate back in 1995 with Leo Goya. You'll remember Leo Goya, mm-hmm. Bill. I think. Yep. Right. We uh, we actually uh, passed and approved the first actually water and sewer rate separate from the general tax levy for the very reason that uh, we needed people to first of all respect water and really started the whole water metering process. And uh, secondly, to, uh, to to raise the kinds of money necessary to actually invest in the system, so the CSO tanks and the expansion of the water treatment uh, uh, capacity. So all of the uh, all of the capacity upgrades uh, are are geared towards future population growth. Uh, we also have to manage that population growth, so we can't continue to add in, uh, you know, huge tracts of uh, you know residential commercial property until such time as that capacity is increased. And that was an issue even for Waterdown back in the day, where we held up development there for the better part of twenty years. Because of the uh, the inability for us to be able to handle the uh, the load that they were going to put on the system, once the once the uh, the uh, the investments were made to increase the capacity in the system, then the development went forward. And so that's something well, we're going to have to continue to manage. Anyway, I'll tell you, Mayor. Yeah. What I'm t- trying to say is, they're taking money off us. We the city's got to put up more money. We don't have the money. Right. Anyways, where's the federal government on this? I'm getting pissed off. With everybody saying, oh, they're putting this in and putting that. Here's the deal. Climate change, infrastructure, let's get Bertina and Tassie into Hamilton and give us millions of dollars. 
Thank you. Right. Appreciate thank you, John. Okay, thank you, John. And, you know, we'll certainly be making those applications. And, uh, you know, we, uh, we, want, we don't want to forget about, uh, you know, Randall Reef that both the province and the federal government's invested in as well, as well as the city. And, uh, you know, in, uh, overall, we've made significant gains in terms of the water quality, both in the harbor and in coots and in the creeks. Uh, this bill has, has been a shocking and, uh, you know, as, as, as dismaying as, as, as you could have possibly imagined for not only the community, but for council, myself and others that have been working on this for such a long time. But uh, the investments will continue and uh, hopefully one day we will have zero discharges into the creek and into the harbor and into Coots Paradise. That's the mission. But we'll have to do an awful lot of preventing a lot of this stormwater that needs to be treated preventing it from getting into the system in the first place, which is stormwater management ponds. Uh, you know, Bill knows about this. Uh, we've been actually encouraging developments to have their own stormwater management on site so that uh, it can absorb back into the ground where it needs to go and hold a lot of that stormwater off from getting into the system. And then we'll continue to be able to manage the, uh, the discharges that, uh, that we uh, you know, have had to do, unfortunately, because of the, uh, the flow. Uh, back to your phone calls, 905-645-3221, star 9900. Bill, you're next on the Bill Kelly Show. Go ahead for the mayor. Is it me? It's you. Oh, uh, sir. Good morning. When are you going to resign? Uh, I'm not planning, not planning on resigning any time. Uh, thank no, you very you much. You should. Well, thanks. And but... one other thing. We don't need uh, light rail transit anyway. Why don't you ask the premier for the billion dollars for affordable housing, stuff like that, and the roads? What's wrong with you people down there? Okay, okay. well, we're... Uh, uh, those uh, rhetorical thank questions. You. Uh, thank yeah. you, Bill. Go Thanks, ahead. Thanks, Bill. I mean, I'm pretty clear about what this investment means, and it actually means that we can move more people more quickly, uh, more, more cost-effectively, and more environmentally friendly. And when we're talking about climate change, the biggest investment we can make to improve uh, our, our CO2 emissions is public transportation. Uh, LRT fits right into that, as well as the expansion of the... Uh, the HSR transit system. You know, we're going to continue to invest in roads. This year alone, uh, $75 million has been set aside in the capital budget for uh, road repair and road expansion. Uh, that, it's not a it's not an either-and-or question, but when we're, when we're talking about issues like climate change, uh, you know, there's no better investment that we can make than public transportation to uh, to get cars off the road and get it into an electrified uh, electrified transit system. That uh, That is the right way to go, and I think... Uh, I think, I hope that we continue on that path. Bill Kelly Show, 900 CHML. This uh, the Mayor's Town Hall. Hamilton Mayor Fred Eisenberger is here to take your calls and uh, your questions. Uh, Robert, you're next in the program. Hi, Robert. Hey, Dan. Good. Go ahead for the mayor. Yeah, I just uh, wondered why we never, ever built the sewage treatment plant up in the mountain. Because that's where well, all the development is. That's where all the perspective stuff is. Sure. Um, you know, I mean, uh, the, the, uh, the capacity at the, uh, Woodward treatment facility is, is, uh, pretty significant. Uh, you know, the one benefit is on the water treatment side, we have an, an amazing amount of capacity and the, uh, you know, it's, it's about 75% u- utilized. Uh, the system has been designed to, uh, to flow down gravity feed into the, uh, into the sewage treatment plant at, uh, at Woodward. And, uh, you know, the investments that we're making now will deal with, uh, you know, any of the capacity issues. So building a whole new facility uh, is in the billions of billions of dollars. And we're making hundreds of millions of dollars worth of investments in the uh, Woodward plant. We do have a plant out in, uh, in Dundas that uh, carries some of the load in, in Dundas as well. So uh, I think we're well served by the uh, facilities that we currently have. If there's a need for more, uh, obviously that's something that uh, future planners will have to think about. All right, uh, let's keep it moving here. Lots of folks on the lines. We want to try to get as many as we can on in our limited time here. Tony, welcome to the Bill Kelly Show, Tony. Good morning, Bill. Uh, I hope you've had a good holiday there. So far. <laughs> uh, Mr. Mayor, yep. one of the things that uh, uh, somebody mentioned that we're going to have a population going somewhere around 750 in the near future. Mm-hmm. I was I was led to believe that we're also picking up some of the sewage uh, from uh, Mount Hope and Caledonia. Mm, not from Caledonia, but Mount Hope is part of Hamilton, but uh, not not at all from Caledonia. In fact, we sell water to Holdham and Norfolk. Uh, we've been doing that for the better part of 20 years. We provide uh, clean, potable water for them at a, a, a premium of uh, one and a half times uh, what we uh, what we uh, what it costs us to actually produce. So that's been ongoing, but we take absolutely no uh, no sewer or storm sewer from uh, from Caledonia or any other municipality. Quite okay, frankly. then uh, 
then uh, it was the water. Uh, it was the uh, fresh water that we pump out to them. Then. We, that's right. We 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 provide them fresh water at uh, you know a, a, a dollar and a half uh, more than what what it costs us to uh, produce. So we're actually making some money off of that. Well, one of the other things that I did bring to uh, attention many years ago is when we when they put these big malls in and big buildings yep. and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, I suggested that they put a catch basin uh, in there so that they could catch the runoff water from the the driveway mm-hmm. and parking and so on and so right. forth. And then they could, in turn, use that water to either uh, use it when we were camping. You either had gray water or black water. Right. The gray right. water was not quite so dirty. Mm-hmm. And uh, use it uh, to... Uh, water their trees and plants and that on the property at a later date. Yeah, and, and, they, and a very, very brilliant idea, and, uh, and some of the smart property owners are doing exactly that, and we're encouraging more of that as we go forward. So as we, I mean, the good news for the city of Hamilton is we have a combined sewer system, and, you know, the uh, the pollutants that come off of the stormwater can be as bad as the uh, the sewage that, uh, oh, that yeah. is collected. So if we think about uh, the oils and the antifreezes and, uh, you know, all the phosphor or the, the fertilizers right. that get put on the, uh, on the on the lawns, cat dirt, uh, dog dirt, uh, you add it all up, stormwater is as polluted as uh, sewage water is, and it needs to be treated. But we need to also try and get it into the ground. And uh, what you're talking about is uh, recycling that water as much as humanly possible and, and having the, uh, the ground be the natural filter, which is, it, it has always been. So 20 years ago, I said we need to replenish the aquifer, uh, the, uh, the groundwater that exists uh, you know, underneath, our, uh, underneath our cities. Yes. And that is uh, you know, critically important. And the only way to do that is to ensure that the stormwater doesn't get into the system as much as possible. It's got to permeate into the ground. Exactly. Right, as Tony, much as possible. Tony, i got to let you go. We've got a lot of folks here. We're kind of running short on time, but thanks so much for the call. Let me get uh, Jim onto the program here. Jim, go ahead from Mayor Eisenberger. Uh, good morning. Good morning, Jim. Yeah, just a, a, a question regarding uh, the city declaring Hamilton uh, a climate uh, uh, emergency city. Right. Uh, to me, uh, the conversion of our one-way system of of moving traffic to yep. two-way streets is actually cr- increased the CO2 in our air in the downtown area. So I'm wondering if you folks are just are thinking of changing back to one-way streets. Uh, Jim, I don't think so. I think part of uh, part of uh, the uh, the move to make two way traffic is to promote livability on those streets and you know add dynamic uh, dynamic investments that uh, will make it more people friendly. Uh, as opposed to you know flow through corridors through the city, so that's a movement that's been ongoing. We're actually reducing the speeds throughout the city, uh, also a safety issue for making the streets more people friendly. I, I underst- but, understood uh, that, that that there's a lot uh, yep. of pressure from residents to to calm the traffic. Right, but. but are we a climate city or are we not a climate city? No, we are a climate city, and I, I think well, that's why we're moving to more enhanced public transportation. When our CO two levels are going up, well, no, they're not going up. I don't, I don't. That's not true. Well, uh, they've been going. Didn't do a study. You folks didn't do a study, a before and after study, and I'm well, suggesting that with congestion, you're going to have more CO two, and a lot of folks are saying that. Well, that's that's not borne out to be true. So we have uh, climate air, climate change, or, or uh, air quality Hamilton that uh, does uh, annual reviews of our air quality. And the air quality has, has improved over the years significantly. So it hasn't gone down. It actually has improved. And so I would say, uh, you know, we need to continue to drive through to electrifying our vehicles. Uh, that'll improve the air quality significantly. Uh, going to public transportation will make a significant difference. All of that is geared towards uh, some climate change initiatives that, uh, that are going to be very, very important investments that we're going to need to make into the future. So I, I would say we, we've made improvements. Uh, it continues to improve, but we have much more to do. Uh, yeah, that public transit element is uh, well, kind of in flux right now. We'll see what happens later on today. Well, it's not the only public transit investment. So we, we have a half a billion dollars uh, applied for uh, with the federal government in terms of our traditional transit. So uh, expansion in that area is going to be very important as well. All right, let me move on to uh, Steve is next. Uh, Steve, thanks for joining us on the Bill Kelly Show. Go ahead for the mayor. Yeah, good morning, Mayor. How are you? Very well, thanks, Steve. Yeah, um, my question is about uh, red light cameras. If you're going to expand um, that program, 
and I was just wondering uh, what are the um, uh, uh, what do you think the financial outcome will be? Um, I, I understand now there's about sixteen thousand. Tickets issued every year, right. which adds up to about uh, 5.3 million. Mm-hmm. I was wondering if it, that, that's going to expand, and where does that money go? Uh, thank you for that. Uh, the uh, there are uh, other locations being looked at, but uh, right now we're rotating, you know, several locations throughout the city. Uh, it is sadly, it's a uh, it definitely a revenue generator. So you're not, uh, uh, you wouldn't be surprised that that. Uh, that uh, generates significant dollars for the city, including, uh, you know, the uh, the ticketing right now that's going on in the Red Hill Valley Parkway as a result of the, you know, I think, sometimes outrageous speeds that people are, th- are flying through there. Uh, the revenues go into, uh, sometimes they're, they're going into uh, transit expansion, so, so it's general, levy, general levies uh, that uh, it goes into. But uh, they're often it's earmarked for for different projects. And off the top of my head, I can't remember precisely which ones. But we would have a listing, Jim, of uh, where those dollars are being utilized, and I can certainly provide that for you. But you're right; it's uh, sadly it's a revenue generator, and uh, it's likely that we'll see more locations in the future. Okay, thanks very much. Thanks. Thanks for the call. Uh, and, and I know everybody says it's a tax grab, and. Uh, as as former chief DeCaro always used to say, compliance is free. You don't you don't get a ticket if you if you didn't do it. No, for sure. And um, you know people need to be wary of uh, making sure that they stop appropriately when the uh, when the traffic lights change. If they decide to run one, uh, you know the likelihood that the camera is going to be there and you're going to get a ticket. The ticket's not small. It's three hundred plus for that uh, particular event. And I, I know because I've had it happen to me a couple of times. So I'm, uh, I'm as guilty as some others are. And uh, it, it certainly makes you, uh, makes you mean, and, you know, taxes and, and, uh, and penalties are the, the only way that uh, we can change behaviors in our community. And, you know, that's, that's been a longstanding issue. And uh, people uh, just need to be wary at intersections because there's many people crossing the street. And uh, if they uh, are running a red light, uh, they're going to get caught. Well, it's uh, spawned a whole different debate, and, and I think an enhanced debate about this. I mean, even to the point where an awful lot of people are now talking about reinstating uh, photo radar. And I know there's some discussion about doing that on the Red Hill. I don't know if that's ever going to go anywhere, but you, you juxtapose that mindset with what happened in the mid-1990s when they, they just scrap it, get rid of it from the, what the previous government was doing. So public safety is interested. Well, I remember, I remember, Bill, very well that when they had uh, photo radar on the highways, uh, the, the speed was managed very, very effectively. And people, uh, you know, adhered to the speed limits and everybody slowed down. Uh, this, as soon as they lifted, everybody, uh, you know, went back to, uh, you know, pedal to the metal. So, uh, you know, there's merit in that, but uh, it needs provincial approval. And uh, to date, they haven't been able to provide any uh, provincial approvals to do that on any of our roads and highways. All right. Very quickly, I know we've only got a couple of seconds left. At uh, 2.30 this afternoon, the Transportation Minister uh, will be at the Sheraton to make what we are told is a major announcement about the LRT project. It doesn't sound like it's good news. Because uh, invariably, if governments are going to come along and make good news announcements, whether it's the federal government, provincial government, I don't care, it's liberal, conservative, whatever the case might be, uh, they want to beat the drum for it. Uh, that, hey, look what we're doing for this city. Uh, and the fact that they just, uh, well, surreptitiously announced this today without telling the mayor's office or anybody else uh, leads me and I think an awful lot of others to think that this is not going to be a good news announcement. You're going to endeavor to meet with the minister before that, though. I'm gonna, yes, I'm uh, hoping to meet with I mean, they're going to do what they're going to do anyway. It sounds like the uh, the die has been cast, unfortunately. And uh, so I'll uh, be happy to hear what, or not happy to hear what they're proposing to do. And, you know, if uh, if, they, if they're going to deliver good news, I'd be, uh, I'd be looking forward to hearing that, that uh, they're going to be covering the, uh, the full cost of the the LRT development, but uh, I'm uh, I'm not sensing that that's what they're going to come to town with, and I would uh, I would wonder how they come to that determination without going to a full RFP, uh, which is already in the works and uh, set to close sometime in March. Makes no sense to me, but uh, you know what? Uh, this government has had a habit of uh, not making announcements that don't make a lot of sense. Well, uh, on that note, uh, we'll finish off here. Thanks so much for being in here today, Mr. Mayor. Uh, CHML will be there 2.30 this afternoon uh, to bring you the the latest from the Transportation Minister. And, of course, we'll uh, probably talk tomorrow about your reaction to it as well. And uh, Merry Christmas to you, Bill. And to you, too. All right. Uh, Best of the season. Interesting gift uh, to start off no here. No kidding. Right, from yeah. the government. What a way to end the year. You're listening to the Bill Kelly Show podcast on 900 CHML. Well, it wasn't smoke on the water. Uh, with the sewage gate issue that uh, was in Coots Paradise and, of course, down through Shadow Creek over the last couple of weeks. And uh, we're still getting some reaction and some fallout from that. And uh, we're going to talk with Donna Skelly about that, the MPP for Flamborough and Gladbrook, as she joins us on the Bill Kelly Show. Good morning, Donna. How are you today? 
I'm great, Bill. How are you today? Good. Uh, as a former broadcaster and journalist, uh, you can understand that I'm going to pivot just a little bit. I do want to talk to you about this because this is very important. Uh, but yes. the word, of course, that we just got before I came on the air today is that uh, Transportation Minister Caroline Mulroney is going to be in town today. When did you find out about this? Uh, this weekend. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you heard the first hour of the show with Hamilton Mayor Fred Eisenberger, who was, uh, I, I think I'm justified in su- su- suggesting he was incensed about the fact that he was not contacted about this. Well, I would have to challenge the mayor on that. I know, and in fact, I heard it as well, and I had, uh, I know they were trying to reach him yesterday, and there was uh, uh, every effort, trust me, was being made to uh, coordinate a meeting with the mayor, and we they just kept getting pushback. So I confirmed that with the minister just before the show this morning, and she said, no, every effort had been made to coordinate a meeting with the, with the mayor, and for some reason um, it wasn't received. Uh, they could not coordinate. Now, I, I, you know what, sure I'm going to tell you something, Donna. I'm, I'm, I'm getting reporting from some of my sources at Queen's Park that that, in mm-hmm. fact, was the case. Uh, that yes. the ministry did try to reach out. Now, when you say uh, they couldn't, did they actually contact the mayor's office and they they they, they yes. declined? I I don't know if he declined. I know they were in touch with the mayor's office. Because I thought if there was actually so if there was a they would have to, there if, was an actual they actually reached out to the mayor's office and for whatever reason and I I, I can't um, state emphatically but I know that. For whatever reason, the mayor's office was unable to facilitate the meeting. So there was a conversation between somebody in the mayor's office and somebody from the yes. ministry. Multiple occasions to try and coordinate oh. something. So I was a little, I was a little taken aback when the mayor suggested that no effort had been made. That is untrue. It's, uh, that's interesting because uh, it was actually asked. They told the mayor about this uh, just before we came into the studio to do the show at nine o'clock, and he he seemed visibly uh, shocked by the whole thing and, and kind of off. And if, if it was a conversation with somebody on his staff, I'm surprised they didn't inform him even this morning about it. Bill, I can't speak for what happened. No, I get that. The, yeah, what happened in the mayor's staff, but I know, and I confirmed after hearing him make that statement this morning. I confirmed with the minister that multiple efforts were made to reach out to the mayor, and for some reason, uh, the meeting never happened. All right. Now, I know that uh, you are bound by confidentiality, and you can't talk to us about what the minister is going to talk about at 2.30 this afternoon. Uh, But is it a good news or a bad news announcement for the city? You know, you're you're just going to have to wait until the media briefing. There is a media briefing actually at 2 o'clock, a technical briefing, and then at 2.30. Uh, the, the, the minister will be available to the general public and to the media to speak publicly. Is it about funding? Bill, I, I, I'm going to let the minister make the announcement. Okay. All right. And, and as we mentioned, CHML will be there. We'll certainly follow up on that. Are you going to be carrying it live, Bill? I'm just curious. I'm not we'll sure. I'm not sure. I think okay. there were, uh, I know I, a lot of people have reached out and asking. I, I've been so tie- tied up here at the studio. You know the, the <laughs> newsrooms are right across the hall from me here, but I haven't had time to go in there and talk uh, to the news director about that yet. I know that they're making efforts to try to get that information as soon as possible, so we'll see exactly how we're going to be able to handle that later on. In other news, as they say in our biz, uh, uh, Sewergate, uh, and, and of course, now, there's a whole lot of subtext to what happened or didn't happen, I guess, when we found out about this story a couple of weeks ago from a story that was leaked in the Hamilton Spectator. I, I mentioned to our listeners, Don, I actually got a call. We were in Lake Louise on holidays, and I got a call from one of my sources here saying, this thing is about to break. And this is, and I said, well, not a whole lot I can do about it from here, but I, you know, I wondered if it was going to be a one- or two-day story. I don't think any of us knew the magnitude uh, of the leak, the, the billions of liters of, law, of sewage that was going in to uh, Shadow Creek and, uh, and of course, ultimately into Coots Paradise. Uh, you were not on council for that time, though, were you? This is, this is just after the, the election where you were elected to, to the Ontario legislature. That is correct, and I wanted to make sure that uh, that was clear. I first discovered or learned about the volume, well, first of all, about the leak, as most people did, and that was in the Hamilton Spectator articles. Uh, I was not on council. The first meeting, I understand, was in July of 2018. At that point, I had already been elected to provincial government and was sitting at Queen's Park. So I was not aware, and neither had I ever taken part in a meeting um, in camera where this was discussed. So I want to make that very clear. Having said that, as we all were, I was absolutely horrified when I discovered that 24 billion liters of raw sewage had been um, leaking into Coots Paradise and Shadow Creek for, for years. 
What about the, the conduct of council? And, and I'm not asking you to throw anybody under the bus here, but the council decision to keep this confidential and keep this away from the public. You know, I, I actually um, looked into what the penalty would be if, if you break a confidentiality, and it's, it's a code of conduct violation. So if someone is that angry and that concerned about raw sewage, and I think there are serious health implications, uh, raw sewage being dumped into a local waterway, um, you know, it, it's very easy for me. This is hindsight is twenty twenty, and and uh, you know, yeah. I, but I, you I, you've I, been around that circle, and you've been behind yeah. those closed doors in those in camera sessions. Uh, I'm not surprised. Not, not this one, but still, but others. But others, uh, I'm not surprised. I I recall trying to get just a seconder to have an audit on the waterfront trust when we had all of the the questions surrounding. Uh, how it was being, the money was being spent and, and oversight, and I couldn't get a seconder. For some reason, um, we we have a council that isn't always supportive of bringing information to to the electorate and to the taxpayer, and I think that that's that's unfortunate. I would hope, but again, I'm I'm I wasn't there at the time, but I would hope I would have done the right thing, and that is tell people. What concerns me is even the new three new councillors. They were informed about this at the early part of, I think it was January or February of 2019, and yet an entire summer, an entire spring and summer, when people are walking around Coots Paradise and letting their animals drink the water from Coots Paradise, nobody stepped in and said, don't do it. It's contaminated. There are billions of liters of raw sewage sitting in that, in that water um, in, in that waterway. But, John, you know and how they tried to rationalize that. They said, well, there was signage put up. Well, there's signage about the water there for years. Uh, the sign mm-hmm. about this specific spill was not posted there. It was posted in the lunchroom at one of the the, the offices, by, which, by the way, the public does not have access to. So, I mean, you know, they, they technically, they I guess they were in compliance with how you report these things. But it, this is this is beyond this. I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, the, the fact that one or two councillors finally came forward and said, you know, we were just, you know, heartbroken by this. Well, yeah, th- th- coincidentally, it was just before the story broke. So, I mean, you know, I don't know that they didn't get word that this thing's going to blow up and maybe you want to get ahead of it. I'm not sure what the rationale is. And I don't doubt their, their, their concern at the time, but why don't you speak up? The past council sat on this because there was an election coming up. Uh, this, as you said, the new council was sworn in. This was one of the first items that was thrown in front of them. And I can understand you and I have both been in that position as, as newbies on council, and uh, you're not quite sure, but, you know, if I do this, what are the ramifications, et cetera, et cetera. But over the course of time, over the, the eight or nine months since then, you would have thought that somebody you know, with, the, with the guilty conscience would say, look, it, i got to tell people about this. And it didn't happen until the story broke. I agree, and and not just a guilty conscience, uh, protecting people and protecting animals. This this has serious health implications, and where was the Board of Health on all of this? When there's a rabid raccoon, we are made aware of it, and it's it's a story in the news. And yet we have 24 billion liters of raw sewage being dumped into a local waterway that is used as a destination by thousands of people, I would suggest, over the course of the summer, and yet no one spoke out about it or spoke up. So I, I, I understand as a rookie counselor, you're unaware of, of the implications of sharing information from a, an in-camera meeting. But if you look and it's just one phone call to the clerk's office, and, and if it's a, a code of conduct that is decided by, by counsel itself, then I think once the story would break, people would understand why you were, you were coming forward with that information. It's, un, it's unfortunate, but there is a track record. And, uh, you, you know, we saw information, and, and it will come out, hopefully, in the judicial inquiry with Red Hill, that there was information um, about um, uh, the, the fact that uh, inf- there was a, a problem with the, the asphalt. And, again, that didn't come to the surface, and that wasn't brought to council, and it certainly wasn't brought to the, to the general public. So there's some, uh, some serious questions about how... All of this unfolded, and could you imagine if the spec wasn't wasn't able to release that information, we'd still be unaware of it. 
Well, um, let me ask you about that. Media. I want to ask you about that reporting, and, and I'll, I'll tie in the Red Hills thing with with what happened here with the as it's been called now Sewage Gate. Uh, both instances, the the provincial government knew about this as well, and they didn't see mm-hmm. fit to inform the public about this either. They went through proper channels and talked to the city staff, but nobody decided that maybe the public should be aware of this, and that includes the, the, the your minister. Now you're not a, you're not in the minister of the environment, but I mean somebody there knew about it and decided not to blow this thing up, which they probably should have. Well, I think that, um, and I agree. I think that ministries should also be more transparent and perhaps uh, a little bit more proactive in, in ensuring that this is made public. And that's one of the reasons why we're bringing forward changes, and, and part of it is because of Sewergate. Uh, the ministry is looking at making um, changes, policies, whether it's legislative or policies, that would require all municipalities, when there is something of this magnitude, to uh, publicly, first of all, to be very quick in terms of notifying the public, but to ensure that the information is gen- is truly public, in other words, posted in a, in a public forum where people have access to it. And this will be a change to the uh, Mid-Ontario Environment Plan. Well, beyond posting it, I mean, that, that's a rather superficial approach to this. I mean, the, the widespread information about this, I mean, put it on their webpage, uh, inform media well, so that they can inform that's, others. That's exactly, that's exactly it. it. It's all part of this package, that it would have to be a very public notification through their media outlets, through social media, posting it. I will also, by the way, in the next, uh, over the course of, of the investigation into um, into how this happened and, and the cleanup will be, uh, bringing forward updates on a regular basis. As soon as I'm made aware of it, we will be um, bringing it to to the media, news releases, etc. And that's all part of the plan. It's to ensure that it gets out to the general public. I mean, social media is one aspect, but also I, I still think legacy media is. <laughs> it has to play a role in all of this as well. How extensive is this provincial investigation going to be? Uh, well, I mean, we need to know what happened. We need to know if there are how it's going to be cleaned up. That's another thing. Uh, and how much is it going to cost? Uh, we have well, to and, 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 well, and who's going to pay for it? Exactly. And how many? And who's going to be fined? And will there be penalties? Will, the, will this penalties. will this investigation be apportioning culpability for this? To say these guys should have done this, this should have happened, that didn't happen. I'm under the uh, belief that that is the case right now. But um, I'm just saying that now. I can I can certainly verify that. But from what I understand, yes, we need to know how it happened. Is and I think people need to know, you know, how did it happen? Was it um, accidental? Was it intentional? Uh, who knew about it? When did they find out about it? And what has been done in the meantime? And what is the plan moving forward to clean it up? There's some pretty smart people that work for the city in the public works department, and you know many of them too, Donna. Uh, and and I can't believe that as we're being told the story now. Uh, this went on for four years. I think that's common knowledge now. Uh, the, 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 the rationale that they keep coming back with is, well, you know, the computer program that looks after this stuff said that gate was closed. But notwithstanding the fact that the sewage continued to flow into Shadow Creek and into Coots Paradise, I can't believe that nobody in that office decided, well, maybe instead of looking at a computer printout, maybe you should go up there and look at the thing, which nobody seemed well, to do. I agree, and of course, there were also a number of local residents who were concerned and brought it to the attention of, I believe, local councillors as well as as staff that they had witnessed discharge in uh, and around Coots Paradise, and were really concerned. I mean, you recall the stories, the, the, the media outlets, local media outlets reported on it. So if if it was visible... What was done after that being brought to the attention of staff to identify the source of, of that discharge? I don't know. I don't know why it was. It seems to have been dismissed. But uh, clearly, these people who were um, quite familiar with the, the, the body of water, both the Shadow Creek and, and Coots, uh, they were familiar with it, and this was out of the ordinary. And, and the volume of, of, of um, waste that they were witnessing uh, certainly was brought was very concerning, and, and they shared that information and that concern with staff, and yet nothing was done. The outrage that we've heard on this program since the story broke is, has been twofold. 
Uh, one is that it happened, and as you say, there's there's obviously a technical glitch someplace that, that allowed this to happen and to and to to carry on for four years. But I got to tell you, Donna, I, I think probably not even equally. I think more uh, than than that outrage is the outrage that council didn't come forward and and, and weren't forthright with the public about this, uh, and, and they I knew. I don't know why they didn't. I don't. Well. The, the fact that it, it's, uh, you can draw your own conclusion, but it was brought to the attention of a number of councillors, and you can check the records to see who was sitting on council at the time, but just before an election is is concerning. And then moving forward, we have, uh, it, it again, uh, verified the amount of waste that is being uh, dropped into the, um, uh, into the waterway, and Again, nothing is shared with uh, with with residents. So, yeah, uh, it is. It's and 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 whether or not this has any impact on the outcome of the next election is really up to residents. There's nothing that uh, there's no tool in the provincial toolbox that allows a ministry or a government to intervene. So that that is off off the table. The only way you can really address it if, if residents are outraged is is um, at the ballot box. There's a couple of things here because, I mean, people that are trying to cover their bases or cover whatever else they want to cover uh, can talk about this and say, well, we're going to put updates up on the city's webpage. Uh, you and I both know that nobody looks at the city webpage every day for this. And, hey, I want to go for a walk down at Coots. I better check make sure it's not polluted beyond control. Uh, there's there's got to be more uh, concrete and I think more you know intelligent uh, conversations and dissemination of information about this. Now, do you need new legislation to do this, or do you just have to tweak what's already on the books? We are tweaking it. The, the document that I was referencing is called our Made in Ontario Environment Plan, and it it is we call it a living, breathing document. As as these types of incidents arise and as new technology is brought forward, uh, we are revising this plan and this uh, this act. And so we are looking at uh, implementing, as I said, uh, policies that will require municipalities to, to as quickly as possible, notify the general public in a very um, visible and high-profile way, whether it's through uh, traditional legacy media, their own social media, on their websites, that there has been an incident it will uh, eliminate this opportunity to, if you want to call it, bury or hide or not disclose an issue such as the one that we saw at Coots Paradise. So it is, uh, we're moving forward with it as we speak. The um, ministry is, is coming up with all of the changes necessary to make sure that this is implemented and, and moving forward it will be part of our plan. Uh, we'll watch for that and see the city council's reaction to this. I know they've already passed a couple of motions already to try to clean this thing up. I mean, the, the protocol and the, the reporting mechanisms, but obviously uh, it needs to be supported by some stronger provincial legislation. It looks like that's on the books. Are you uh, going to be at the Sheraton later on today? I will be, and if you want to talk tomorrow, I'm free. Absolutely. We, we'll, we're we going to be doing some follow-up on this, you can be sure, Donna. Thanks for the time today. All right, take care. Donna Skelly, of course, the uh, Flamborough Glanbrook MPP. Uh, for the uh, the Ford government. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML. The Bill Kelly Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. You can also listen to The Bill Kelly Show weekdays from 9 till noon on 900 CHML. I'm Bill Kelly. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free, so you never miss an episode. And make sure that you rate and review.